it's not like there's some wonderful ideal period in the past where everybody was just being terribly devout and ignoring all the merrymaking. It just didn't happen. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage Podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryans, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Well, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that an appropriate greeting? Can I say Merry Christmas? It's all right with me. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about the words that we use around Christmas time, this time of year. Of course, Christmas itself, the word, uh, we can just start with what the word means. Sure. It's just made up of two words. Christ is the first word and mass is the second one, which stands for the mass on the day Christ's birth is commemorated. Now, we used to have a, a Christian calendar and go by a Christian calendar that right. had all these but, masses, right? All, all sprinkled throughout the year. Candlemas. Lady Mass, too. Lady Mass, yeah. And we talked about Children Mass, didn't we, in the past? Protestants, of course, don't celebrate Mass. They have communion. Mm -hmm. So they may not notice the immediate connection between the MAS and the MASS. Right. And a lot of people go for a special Midnight Mass, which is uh, technically on Christmas Day. That is one minute after midnight. It's or as soon as the clock strikes, I guess, then it's Christmas. So that's still the day. But I notice our local Episcopal Church uh, starts theirs at 10 o'clock, so people can get home and in bed safely. It's not really a midnight mass. No, I, and I think the midnight mass. I, I wasn't raised Catholic, and I don't know much about uh, Catholic Church. Generally, I, I'll, I'll bet you you would find more midnight masses at Catholic churches rather than Protestant churches. Yes, yes, I think so. Uh, I was raised in a Protestant church myself, and we always had our our Christmas Eve service started at 8 or 9. They didn't try to hit the midnight mark at all. Well, we would go to church on our liberal Protestant church on uh, Sunday or on Christmas morning. But Christmas Eve was when we opened our presents. Uh -huh. And I think the main reason for that was that my mother hated to get out of bed in the morning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so getting it over with the night before so the kids weren't pestering her to get up <laughs> right. was a big plus. As a household that celebrates Christmas, although much more of a secular celebration in, in my adulthood, um, I can relate to that. And I can also relate to having older children who like to sleep in themselves, which is really nice <laughs> when, it, when it gets well, to be that point. Living in a secular household now um, here, I'm the one that wakes up first. And I'm ready to open presents anytime. But my <laughs> wife and daughter are my wife is uh, sleeps in anyway. And my my daughter comes from the East Coast. So she's severely time shifted. And even though it might be late in the day for her, she's usually exhausted from getting up early before. So it's me waiting for them to come down to open presents. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, Christmas is the last mess we have. The, the last mass that we have that remains on our calendar, really. Um, in popular culture, in, anyway. In popular culture. Uh, yeah, the other ones still exist. People still 
our uh, the, our children went to Waldorf schools where they still celebrated Michaelmas and uh-huh. some of the other Michaelmas ones. is uh, big around here because it's my wife's birthday. <laughs> there we go. Okay, yeah, Paula Mass. <laughs> That's what we mean when we say Merry Christmas. It's this Christ plus Mass. That's really easy to understand. What do we? What happens when we say Happy Holidays? Though that's that's got nothing to do with Christ, right? That's, that's uh, well, actually, it does. Different, a completely <laughs> different thing. I mean, if you say Happy Holidays, that's a that's a huge offense to anybody of, of religion, right? Well, Holly, <laughs> the Holly and Holidays is actually holy. Oh, and comes Holy Day, so it refers to the day of Christmas. Um, and of course, if you pluralize it, what you're doing and say, okay, we'll include Hanukkah originally and uh, now Kwanzaa. And if you start saying it early enough, you can lump Thanksgiving in there or Festivus or whatever else <laughs> yeah. is going on. I don't think it applies to Black Friday, though. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday have not been elevated to the status. Holidays. No, they're more interference with holidays. But I always think of the holiday season um, because I'm not not now or and never have been a, a celebrator of Hanukkah or uh, Kwanzaa. Uh, but I always just think of the holiday season and Happy Holidays as just the, yeah that whole string Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's where there's a whole bunch of holidays stacked up at the end of the year here. Uh, oh, I forgot about the solstice. Yeah. A lot of our friends are big into celebrating the solstice. Right. And listeners to this podcast will remember our solstice episode. We've aired it a couple of times, actually. Uh, you can go back and listen to that again. That's a great one. But uh, so, so if I say happy holidays, I still am tied to the holy day, right? It's, I, I can't really escape from being religious. Yes, it's just that some very fervent Christian first, nobody else gets greetings <laughs> types um, don't like the S on the end of holidays. Uh, they want there to be only one holiday you're wishing people and it should be merry and not happy. And by the way, I noticed some commentators saying it's, it's interesting that in modern English, we hardly use merry except in that and a few other phrases. You don't say we're, we're going out and we're hoping to have a really merry time at the tavern tonight. There's a few other phrases where Mary gets used uh, traditionally. And, of course, there's a few people named Mary, often born on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, we still have merry-go-rounds. Yes, absolutely. But really, the word is pretty much tied to Christmas. And right. it's it's not a word that gets generally used. However, it's a word that's well understood to mean happy. But And people didn't really object to happy holidays until quite recently. Season's Greetings, of course, is a, another one that's used on Christmas cards for a long, long time. That that had been used since early in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So it's the holiday season that you're celebrating. And it really, if you were a traditional Christian, you would not be focusing just on Christmas. Christmas Eve would be a good one. But the whole Advent season and each Sunday in Advent has its own uh, worship services. Bach wrote uh, cantatas for each of the uh, Sundays in Advent. And there is a, a whole bunch of holidays that are observed that are connected with Christmas, even if you were being strictly Christian. Mm-hmm. So really, there shouldn't be all this upset about the holidays. 
except that some people are aware that it originated the happy holidays thing as a policy with some companies and departments of government and so on in order not to offend Jews. Mm -hmm. And there are some obnoxious people who want to go out of their way to make sure that the Jews are excluded from their greetings. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the earliest ones that's been tracked was uh, Henry Ford. And, and Politico did an article called The War on Christmas, A Short History, back in 2012. And uh, they tell this story. Henry Ford was an avid proponent of the idea that someone, or more precisely some group, was waging a war on Christmas. Quote, last Christmas, most people had a hard time finding Christmas cards that indicated in any way that Christmas commemorated someone's birth. And he capitalized someone and birth. According to the international Jew... The world's foremost problem, a widely distributed set of... This is not Ford talking anymore. This is the political article. According to the International Jew, the world's foremost problem, a widely distributed set of anti-Semitic articles published in the automobile magnates News Weekly during the 1920s. That's where this article appeared. People sometimes ask why three million Jews can control the affairs of a hundred million Americans. In the same way that 10 Jewish students can abolish the mention of Christmas and Easter out of schools containing 3,000 Christian pupils. So this idea that somehow by respecting the different beliefs of Jews, you're offending the Christians uh, goes back all the way to, to Henry Ford, who is a very rabid anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. But it really got going with Bill O'Reilly in 2004, December 7th. He's the one that invented the the uh, phrase "war on Christmas," um, although you know the the idea had been around in Ford's mind, but the actual phrase "war on Christmas" was from Bill O'Reilly, and he started this hysterical thing that well, if they're not allowing a crash in front of the city hall, and um, uh, the schools are not singing religious songs in the public school performances and uh, you're wishing people a happy holiday, then you're warring on Christmas. Mm. And, of course, people on the other side constantly point out that there's no danger of Christmas disappearing. There are signs <laughs> for Christmas, Christmas sales, and stuff going on all over. You can't turn around without running into some mention of Christmas and the fact that somebody wishes you um, a happy holiday instead shouldn't in any way harm your celebration of the holiday. If you're that offended, you just let it go. And I guess the, the angle that critics used was that some uh, stores and in particular uh, were telling their employees, don't say Merry Christmas, but, um, but it's respectful. And uh, I think Happy Holidays is much more generous. And you're saying, well, all these celebrations going on this time of year, I hope you have a happy, happy all of them and not this December 25th. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. It's a greeting that is encompassing everyone. And the concept that you have to use the greeting Merry Christmas instead of happy holidays and in fact you have to use it exclusively in order to prove you're really really behind this christmas thing um uh is sort of like a christmas firster thing that you you mentioned earlier where oh christmas has utter primacy over everything don't you understand i have to right. be focusing only on christmas 
even in the Christian tradition, that is utterly silly. And the Advent sits on top of other celebrations that came before it, and it really speaks to the time of year where there's almost this need for everybody to feel like they need some kind of celebration of some sort. Here we are in the dead of winter. and uh, Some lights. Yeah, some lights and so on. I mean, yes, it's because it gets dark so early. We want some lighting up. We want candles and we want a celebration and we want all of these things. And uh, if you exclusively say, well, that happens on Christmas and Christmas is the day and that's the emphasized holiday only, uh, you're really leaving out a lot of the, the best part. It's, okay. it's a whole bunch of days, really. I also wanted to mention that uh, there have sometimes been controversies about the White House Christmas cards. And uh, Eisenhower used season's greetings on his Christmas cards. And that was very, very common for sort of corporate Christmas cards also Mm -hmm. sent out in the 1950s. Um, We certainly saw that everywhere. It would come out season's greetings. Nobody thought anything about it. There was no offense. Nobody thought that war was being fought on Christmas or anything until O'Reilly got his dander up. George Bush sent out a card wishing people a happy holiday season. And there was some negative reaction mm-hmm. to that. But it really didn't take off and become a thing. And and Fox News has essentially kept it alive. Every year they swing into this as soon as the holiday season begins and start nattering on about the war on Christmas. I think this really followed Megyn Kelly out of Fox. In her attempt to revamp her career as a mainstream political commentator, I think that her proclamation, well, Santa Claus is obviously white and... Oh, yes. Jesus is obviously white (laughs) years ago and probably wasn't really thinking she'd ever be away from Fox. But uh, she got on the Fox network. And I think that her past kind of came back to haunt her when she tried to go a little more mainstream. Have you seen this Facebook meme that's going around? Somebody says, well, I moved from my manger scene, all the Jews, the Muslims and the immigrants. And now I've just got sheep being led by a donkey. Sounds about right. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. All right. If you uh, watch British movies or TV or just have British friends, you may note that they usually say Happy Christmas instead of Merry Christmas. And I've been told that the American Merry Christmas has been leaking in to uh, British speak. But there's a an interesting uh, thing I found on the Internet run by a, a guy named Matthew Schmitz. And it's a it's an American evangelical publication called First Things. And he did this blog post, which is um, interestingly not terribly religious in its attitude. And I thought it had some interesting information. That he, he titles it. It's Merry Christmas, not Happy Christmas. Christmas is conspicuously the only time of year when the word Mary receives heavy use. The greeting Merry Christmas dates back to at least 1565, in which year the author of the Hereford Municipal Manuscript wrote, And thus I commit you to God, who send you a Merry Christmas and many. Interestingly, uh, the spelling is very antique in that. And God is not capitalized, but Christmas is. (laughs) Chris, uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, published in 1843, pushed it forward, as did industrialization. The first commercially sold Christmas card, also printed in 1843, contained the salutation, A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. Yet Merry Christmas did not gain universal support. 
The Night Before Christmas ends with the words, A happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Queen Elizabeth II wishes British subjects a happy Christmas in her annual Christmas broadcasts, and the phrase enjoys a broad general currency in the UK. What accounts for the difference? Queen Elizabeth, a woman of serious low church piety, is said to prefer happy to merry because she dislikes Mary's connotation of boisterousness, even slight intoxication. Similarly, in Holland, some of the more strictly reformed Dutch prefer Zalekerstfeest, Blessed Christmas, to Frilich Christmas, Merry Christmas. The moral suspicion of Merry Christmas dates back to the Methodist churchmen of the Victorian era who sought to promote sobriety among the English working class. Merrymaking of the ancient alcoholic sort was frowned on year-round, perhaps never more so than during the celebration of the Savior's birth. The phrase Merry Christmas would hang on, but the image of a family sharing a bottle of port or wine in the first commercial Christmas card was to give way to more temperate holiday depictions. We may no longer associate Merry with spirits alcoholic as well as high, but the meaning was once familiar. Mary appeared in both the Wycliffe and King James Bibles in reference to intoxication, where it describes an evening in the life of the rich man Nabal. He held a feast in his house like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. To wish someone a holiday feast like Nabal's was to wish him a very good Christmas indeed. To certain ears, then, Happy Christmas conveys a sober, well-earned enjoyment, the satisfaction resulting from hard work and virtuous living. Merry Christmas stirs in us an impulse more primitive and unrestrained, the childlike giddiness of Christmas morning, the rush down the stairs and tearing at paper, the intemperate delight in gifts long hoped for and wholly undeserved. Which phrase conveys a more fitting response to the overwhelming, unearned gift of Christ's birth? Suffice it to say that when our Lord comes, I hope I do not greet him with dignified reserve, but instead rush at him with the unguarded, unembarrassed joy of a child at play or a man at his cups. Merry Christmas to all. Oh, that was a remarkably open-minded for an evangelical writer. Yes, and it, it really points out that fine line between Happy Christmas and Merry Christmas. Um, and of course, we discussed, as you pointed out, at some length in the previous solstice uh, broadcast, the pagan roots of Christmas, which are immense. Mistletoe and Yule logs and uh, so many aspects, Christmas trees, mm -hmm. uh, gift giving. <laughs> you go on and on. Many of the things that mean Christmas to us come from pagan sources. So just a reminder that Christmas was not originally celebrated as the day Christ was born. The church simply chose that date to commemorate his birth and slowly pushed in the direction of saying, well, actually he was born this day, but he, they were co-opting the Feast of the Unconquered Son that happened around the solstice and was also a season that was several day celebration. It was a big deal where gift giving was involved and the church co-opted that. And in the Northern Europe, of course, there were solstice celebrations similarly, including one called Yule that uh, Christmas replaced. But one celebration we didn't talk about was wassailing. Yes. And my wife used to sing in a madrigal group where they would have an annual Christmas feast and, and concert of uh, madrigals, some of them Christmas-oriented, some not. Wes Hale is the old Anglo-Saxon toasting thing. You would say when you were saying, drink up. Mm. It's equivalent to cheers. It really meant good health, Wes Hale. And it was spelled an amazing different 
number of ways. Here's just a few. W-E-S-H-E-L. These are actually Middle English, not Anglo-Saxon spellings. W-A-I-S-S-E-I-L. G-A-S-E-L. D-R-I-N-K-E-L. Drinkle. (laughs) (laughs) So you lift your glass and say, Drinkle. The spelling you usually see for Anglo-Saxon is W-A-E-S-E-L. H-A-E-I-L. In olden times, wassailing was practiced on Twelfth Night or New Year's Eve. It was only very loosely associated with Christmas. So wassailing now is in some of the Christmas songs like wassail, wassail, all over the town, etc. And uh, very much associated with Christmas these days. But that's kind of a modern thing, really. It, It had more to do with Twelfth Night. And there are still some places and people where the big celebration takes place on Twelfth Night when the wise men arrive bearing gifts, right? That's mm-hmm. when you open presents. Mm-hmm. Most people are too impatient to observe that, though. So Yule, however, derives from an old Norse pre-Christian 12-day feast, J-O-L, and the O has an accent over it, and I suppose it was pronounced something like Yule. Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. I, old Norse. Later, the name was transferred to the Christmas tide, that is the Christmas season, and then ultimately to Christmas Day itself. Its earliest English appearances have the word being used, however, just to label the months of December or January. They're just uh, like a calendar thing and not particularly Christmas at all. But the way we uh, use Yule most often, I guess, is with the Yule log. Right. And here Wikipedia has a long article on the Yule log. Here's just a little bit from that. The Yule log, Yule clog, or Christmas block, is a specially selected log burnt on a hearth as a Christmas tradition in a number of countries in Europe. The origin of the folk custom is unclear. Numerous scholars have observed that, like other traditions associated with Yule, such as the Yule boar, the custom may ultimately derive from Germanic paganism. And they cite this book by Henry Bourne, Antiquities of the Common People, in 1725. And this is when the British were first getting interested in the pagan background to Christianity and finding out more about it. And this was his speculation. Now, modern writers don't go quite as far as he does, but this is an interesting passage, I think. Our forefathers, when the common devices of Eve were over, and I have not been able to find out what the devices of Eve were, Hmm. um, and night was come on, were wont to light up candles of an uncommon size, which were called Christmas candles, and to lay a log of wood upon the fire, which they termed a Yule clog or Christmas block. Now, this is British. There are certain areas in Britain where instead of log, it's either clog or block. These were to illuminate the house and turn the night into day, which custom, in some measure, is still kept up in the northern parts. It hath in all probability been derived from the Saxons, for Bede tells us, this is the famous venerable Bede, that this very night was observed in this land before by the heathen Saxons. They began, says he, their year of the eight on the calendars of January, which is now our Christmas party, and the very night before which is now holy to us, was by them called Madronach, or the light of the mothers. Sounds very pagan. 
Mm-hmm. The Yule clog, therefore, hath probably been a part of those ceremonies which were performed that night ceremonies. It seems to have been used as an emblem of the return of the sun and the lengthening of the days. For as both December and January were called Guli or Yule on account of the sun's returning and the increase of the days, so I am apt to believe the log has had the name of Yule log from its being burnt as an emblem of the returning sun and the increase of its light and heat. This was probably the reason of the custom among the heathen Saxons, but I cannot think the observation of it was continued for the same reason after Christianity was embraced. So people kept burning the log, but sort of forgot what it was supposed to symbolize. And that celebration sounds very much like a solstice celebration. Absolutely. Now, in France, the Yule log plays a special role. Not many modern French people have fireplaces with logs in them, but they often have a bouche de Noël, which is a cake, a thin sheet cake filled and then rolled like a jelly roll and then glazed and with uh, either marzipan or meringue mushrooms around it and sometimes they fix it up with even more things and and sometimes they're decorated to really look very convincingly like a real log and that's a traditional dessert to be served on christmas in france so the yule log survives in in that particular way i first learned about this from watching julia child make one on tv years ago she popularized a lot of french desserts yeah, and I've seen some recent ones where people are updating it and using different materials and making them more elaborate and so on. So some Americans have gotten into it, too. So speaking of the French, in uh, France and in French-influenced cultures, you say Joyeux Noël. So it's joyous rather than happy or merry. Uh, Noël, interestingly enough, I had always assumed that it had something to do with uh, news or newness. But it actually is derived ultimately from the Latin phrase Natales Dies, mm. birthday. Yeah. So it's joyous day of birth, referring, of course, to the birth of Christ. So it does have, after all, a Christian meaning, although Yule does not, Joya Noel does. In various Scandinavian countries, it, the greeting is God Yule, G-O-D-J-U-L, which may look very religious, but the God actually is just the word for good. And it can be spelled in some languages, G-U-D. And Yule has pagan roots. So God Yule uh, doesn't have anything specifically Christian attached to it. In Danish, God Yule or God Nitar means good Christmas and good New Year. Now, I think we've talked before about the fact that our puritanical ancestors uh, disapproved of the merriness associated with Christmas. And they often sought to discourage or even outlaw celebration of the day. Yeah, and this is an interesting bit of history where the, the war on Christmas belonged to the Puritans, not the other way around. Yeah, and here's um, a bit from a History Today website dealing with the Puritan war on Christmas in the 17th century. During the 17th century, as now, Christmas was one of the most important dates in the calendar, both as a religious festival and as an important holiday period during which English men and women indulged in a range of traditional pastimes. During the 12 days of 17th century Christmas, churches and other buildings were decorated with rosemary and bays, holly and ivy. Christmas Day church celebrations were widely attended, gifts were exchanged at New Year, and Christmas boxes were distributed to servants, tradesmen, and the poor. Great quantities of brawn, Roast beef, plum pottage, minced pies, and special Christmas ale were consumed, and the populace indulged themselves in dancing, singing, card games, and stage plays. 
Such long-cherished activities necessarily often led to drunkenness, promiscuity, and other forms of excess. In fact, the concept of misrule or a ritualized reversal of traditional social norms was an important element of Christmas and has been viewed by historians as a useful safety valve for the tensions within English society. It was precisely this face of Christmas, however, that the Puritans of 16th and 17th century England found so objectionable. In the 1580s, Philip Stubbs, the author of The Anatomy of Abuses, complained that more mischief is that time committed than in all the year besides. What masking and mumming, whereby robbery, whoredom, murder, and whatnot is committed? What dicing and carding, what eating and drinking, what banqueting and feasting is then used, more than in all the year besides, to the great dishonor of God and the impoverishing of the realm? When the Puritans took control of government in the mid-1640s, they made a concerted effort to abolish the Christian festival of Christmas and to outlaw the customs associated with it, but the attempt foundered on the deep-rooted popular attachment to these midwinter rites. Mm. In most places, at most times, pagan Christmas has prevailed over religious Christmas. It's not like there's some wonderful ideal period in the past where everybody was just being terribly devout and ignoring all the merrymaking. It just didn't happen. Traditionally, it's the Puritans, then, who are the killjoys <laughs> that are actually waging the war on this Christmas celebration. There are actually a couple of other modern churches who don't celebrate Christmas, although they don't actually fight war on it, Jehovah's <laughs> Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists. For Seventh-day Adventists, it makes perfect sense because they're the ones who say, after all, that they're the only ones celebrating the actual traditional Sabbath that's commanded in the uh, Ten Commandments. Um, everybody else in the Christian world shifted it to the next day to called it the Lord's Day at first and then shifted the term to mean uh, Sunday. So if they're going to be excessively literal about that, they also are very aware that the church uh, did not originally celebrate Christ's birth on the 25th of December, and so they've rejected that. But uh, many of them won't grimace if you wish them a happy uh, Christmas or a Merry Christmas. Eastern Orthodox Christmas in countries where the shift from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar didn't take place, wound up celebrating Christmas on January 7th. And that date is also associated with the coming of the Magi and the giving of gifts. Uh, even in countries which shifted to the modern calendar now, they, the, the moving of Christmas to January 7th continued. And I have a friend in Kiev who used to wish me Merry Christmas on January 7th every year. Mm -hmm. And recently she shifted to knowing that what we do is December 25th and does that as well. Uh, there is also Twelfth Night, which is observed in the Anglican Church on January 5th or 6th, which also to commemorate the visit of the Magi. And, of course, we have the 12 Days of Christmas, the famous song. Yes. Uh, which everybody sings so we're reminded. And that's what the 12 days are between the birth and the coming of the wise men or the Magi. Mm -hmm. um, from Wikipedia again, in medieval and Tudor England, Candlemas traditionally marked the end of the Christmas season, though later Twelfth Night came to signal the end of Christmas tide with a new but related season of Epiphany Tide running until Candlemas. A popular Twelfth Night tradition was to have a bean and pea hidden inside a Christmas cake. The man who finds the bean in his slice of cake becomes king for the night, while the lady who finds a pea in her slice of cake becomes queen for the night. And you may be wondering, if you're a Shakespeare fan, well, what does Shakespeare's play Twelfth Night have to do with all this? 
Shakespeare's play titled Twelfth Night was written to be performed on Candlemas Night, February 2nd, 1602. So it was actually the occasion of the premiere, the opening night, not anything in the play itself, except it was fairly jolly and had uh, people dressing up in costumes and so on, disguising themselves. Um, this year, we have an unusual thing that's happening at our house. Caroling has almost disappeared, except in public spaces, because uh, people are inside watching their TV, disinclined to come out on the porch and listen to carolers, usually. But we are renting a space in a studio that we have to a woman who teaches cello lessons to little kids. And they are giving us a cello caroling session next week. They're going to come in and play Christmas tunes on their little child-sized cellos and have cookies, and the parents will hang around and have a little party. That's pretty unique. Yeah, that sounds great. I was interested in what people say in other countries as well. And, of course, some of them don't mean anything to English speakers unless they're specialists. And, uh, but uh, Spanish is pretty familiar. Feliz Navidad. Jose Feliciano's recording Feliz Navidad gets played a lot this time of year. The wonderful song. And that simply means happy birth. In Italian, uh, the same thing is conveyed by Bon Natale. Happy birth. Or good birth, actually. In German... Frohliche Weihnachten, Holy Nights. And that's interesting because it is plural. They start out by saying just the Weihnacht was, is Christmas itself. But when you do the, the happy greeting, you say Weihnachten, the Holy Nights. So the whole season is embraced, even for very religious Germans. The Dutch, as we mentioned earlier, have several different ones depending on how pious you want to be. But the most popular one is Zalagerstfeest, Happy Christ Feast. So again, the feast is the whole season. In Hawaiian, it's Mele Kalikimaka, and many of us know that because of the song is sung by Bing Crosby on his famous White Christmas album, uh, which was at one time the best-selling record of all time. I think it's been beaten since, but uh, you're certainly going to hear, if you wander around stores long enough this kind of season, you'll hear Der Bingle singing Mele Kalikimaka somewhere in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is also, interestingly, an Arabic Way. Now, a lot of people don't realize that uh, not only are a lot of Arabs Christians, many Palestinians are Christians living in, in Bethlehem in many cases. Um, but even Arabs who don't observe Christians on a holiday um, would acknowledge it. It is Eid Milad Majid, E-I-D-M-I-L-A-D-M-A-J-I-D, Glorious Birth Feast. In Iran, if you're speaking Farsi, you could say Christmas Mubarak. Mubarak is fortunate or blessed. Mm. And um, the name Barack, as in Barack Obama, comes from that same root. If you were an Iranian of exceptionally open mind and you wanted to wish your Christian neighbors or acquaintances uh, Merry Christmas, you'd say Christmas Mubarak. Well, no matter how you say it, Paul, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, too. I, I don't suppose we'll be putting together a, a list of alternate greetings for Happy New Year, will we? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> There's only about one way to go with that. 
Thank you for this little tour of variations on Christmas greetings through the years and all all the various wars on Christmas that we've suffered. Well, a lot of people like to talk this time of year about the famous Christmas truce that took place during World War One, where the right. two sides lay down their arms right. and play soccer with each other and so on. Right. So I think it's time to revive that. And if we need a, a Christmas truce to say, OK, enough nattering on about the war on Christmas. There we go. That that's a nice way to wrap it up. Thank you, Paul. So long, Tom. That's all for the podcast this week. As usual, you can send your comments and questions to Common Errors Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, buy the book. The Common Errors in English Usage book can be bought online at your favorite online seller at our website, wmjasco.com with free shipping. Thanks for listening.